You are listening to WMNF Tampa. WMNF is your community radio station. This means that we are a nonprofit and we do not play commercials. Keep us commercial free and support your favorite shows like this one by donating. You can even do it now before our pledge drive on February 22nd. Click the tip jar at WMNF.org. Here comes the sun, doo-doo. here comes the sun, I say it's alright. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today we are talking with Dr. Jake LaSalla about sea turtles because this is our Valentine's day show and everybody <laughs> loves sea turtles oh you're so smooth kitty <laughs> you're, I, I wonder how you're gonna fly that <laughs> your host today are myself kenny coogan and the wonderful annie ellis oh thank you kenny i think you're wonderful too <laughs> thank you so stay tuned as we promote a balance of people profit and planet annie got any Thing to report? Well, I just went thrilled. I brought in my Fedco seed and supplies catalog because I don't know if you guys have ever seen one, but it's all done in pen and ink. Uh, it's a printed uh, thing. It's a thick uh, white paper. Black It's black and white. It's the best, most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And, of course... Fedco has all the best uh, supplies and seeds and so on uh, that you can imagine. But I'm pretty thrilled about it because you don't, not everybody gets one, and I, I name drop to get it. <laughs> That's okay, I guess. Very good. It's beautiful. So, uh, how's it going with you? Uh, good. <laughs> busy. Yeah, I was telling Annie that I taught teachers at the Florida Aquarium for six and a half hours on Saturday. And then I drove to Deltona yesterday, which is two and a half hours one way. And I did a two-hour presentation on propagating Florida's carnivorous plants Mm. for two hours. And then I drove back. You are a remarkable human (laughs) being, Kenny. So. You're a teacher. Yes. You know, it's funny because you used to teach uh, the grammar school, right? What what grade was that they used to teach? Sixth through eighth grade. Sixth through eighth. And now you're teaching adults, which is probably a lot easier, right? You would imagine. You would think so. <laughs> you would think so. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about sea turtles, which I'm excited about. Yes, me too. And I remember I worked at an aquarium in New York, and they had a museum quality replica of a leatherback hanging up. How big you, was it? Was it giant? Yeah, it was like 11 foot, I think. Wow. Unless I'm saying the wrong species, but we're going to ask our guest. <laughs> but that's what I remember from childhood, going down the stairwell and this monstrous sea turtle just hanging. Of course, you were little, so it was probably not as big as you thought, right? It's probably a two-footer. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Annie, let's introduce our guest. Okie dokie. We are delighted to have Dr. LaSala uh, on today, uh, and he's worked with sea turtles for over a decade. His uh, graduate research focused on identifying robust demographic metrics to complement survey data. That's a lot. Uh, but so this is his main focus is on male um, marine turtles, uh, 
because, you know, everything's always about the female and how many eggs they lay. And, and so he studies specifically about the paternity uh, and how the minimum number of males that contribute to the populations and so on. So we're really interested. I, the more I read about this, the more interested I became. So thank you for being on here to, uh, you know, make us interested and hopefully we can make other people uh, uh, interested about that too. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jake LaSala. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, you know, I'm just going to ask you my last question right off the bat. <laughs> uh, so, because I, I was reading, or uh, where I knew that you went to Australia, so y- you just got back not too long ago. So I they, did. <laughs> so it's a wonderful. Uh, that's a long trip, but that's a wonderful place to go visit. So I recognize that in Australia they have a flatback turtle, and mm-hmm. I, and the more I read about it, the more interested I was because it was like they don't even migrate; they stay there. It is there. Yep. So, They're endemic to Australia. Is yep. that why you were there to study that? No, I was there on vacation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a we, lovely vacation site. That's, we, a, that's a long way to go for. We vacation. found a very nice cruise for for. Uh, it was it was wonderful. It was a wonderful trip, but it was not for turtles. <laughs> oh, okay, you put the turtles to to uh, bed for for that trip. That's great. So uh, so anyway. Back to back to uh, now. Uh, so, you know, you what projects are you going to be working on in twenty twenty three? Because I know you have some things coming up, right? So the Sea Turtle Conservation and Research Program at Boat uh, does has worked on Sarasota beaches for the last forty years, um, doing conservation and research. Um, and we have a whole host of different projects that we're going to be working on this summer and and moving forward. Some of them are deep dives into into uh, demographics and understanding how the population is changing, and some of them are uh, looking at temperature and how our beaches uh, fluctuate with temperature and how that affects uh, sea turtles. Um, we go ahead. I was going to ask you a question, but go ahead. Uh, so sea turtles, uh, their sex is determined by temperature. And so we're putting these data loggers in nests so we can identify what the ratio of, of males to females are coming out of our nests. Wow, that is so interesting. So they're determined by uh, the temperature. So uh, is it the too hot, the, the hotter uh, makes more males or the opposite? The general adage is hot chicks and cool dudes. So hot chicks and cool dudes, that's funny. So warmer temperatures produce more females. And in the short term, that's not a bad thing because more females means more offspring. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, it could be a problem because that means that there won't be enough males in the future. Well, and that is interesting to me because, you know, like I said before, we don't really talk about the males so much. They're the, the, lost, <laughs> the lost part of the, uh, the conversation, it seems. And so um, with that... With that in mind, uh, there's a lot less males than uh, females, or what is the ratio on that? Well, so we don't really know, and that's part of what my project for looking at paternity is about, um, because we males stay out in the ocean, and so we it's it's harder to quantify them, um, and and so this paternity project is trying to aim at trying to see how many successful males there are that are contributing to our populations. So um, you're saying they stay out in the ocean, so they never come to shore ever? In Hawaii, there are some beaches where turtles will bask, but otherwise, no. They stay out there, and they don't come back unless uh, they are sick or injured. So they're constantly moving? 
Uh, some males uh, will uh, sit in very specific home ranges, um, but when they are ready to mate, they'll migrate to their mating areas, and that's their main movement. So then they have a migration as well. That was another question I had. Like the females, they'll migrate from to Japan. I mean, wherever it is that they were born 30 years ago, they have that thing that in their head that tells them where to go. And so the, the males do as well? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question because, uh, be, because they're so hard to, to find unless, unless you happen upon them sleeping or, or whatever. Um, it, a lot of that stuff that we know about the females, we just don't know about males. We, we suspect that they can mate every year, but we don't really know, um, and so a lot of the projects that we're trying to do is trying to figure out if we could find males in, the, in one year and then find them again in the second year. So are you tagging them so you'll know which ones? Or are you just specifically knowing it from their genetic um, background? The genetics. So, so sea turtles can have uh, sex with multiple partners and they can store sperm. And so when they lay their nests, that the, the eggs might be from different males. And so each nest is going to have different proportions of males from nest to nest. So about that sperm storage, that's interesting to me. I read about that. Can you elaborate a little bit? Uh, well, there was a study that was done in Japan that, uh, that said that they can hold on to it for at least a year, um, where they collected the female uh, at the end of the nesting season in year one, and then in year two, she laid a viable nest. But that's about as much as we know, too. Um, we don't really know how, how much longer they... It, it hasn't been published how long uh, they can hold. So that was a whole year in between of storage. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, Jake, when you look at the hatchlings, I'm assuming you're going to take their DNA and then you're going to sequence it to see who's the father, correct? Yes. So so every every individual has one father and one mother, and if we know what mom's DNA uh, genotype looks like, then we can figure out what each dad looks like from the hatchling data. So you'll have like, a, I'm making this up, but you'll have like 100 baby sea turtles and you sample all of them? We sample about a fifth of the nest. We sample uh, twenty hatch up to 20 hatchlings per nest. Um, we're specifically looking for turtles that lay multiple nests in a season so we can see if paternity changes from nest to nest to nest. Well, let me ask you real quick because I don't want to skip over this. So you said that you need the, the genome from the mother and the genome from the father. So do you have to specifically get that from the mother, period? So if we take a sample from the female, we can genotype her we can get, get her genotype and then we can get the genotypes from the hatchlings and we can compare them. Okay. And are you doing all of this research in the Tampa Bay area, or are you traveling? Uh, so uh, most of the work is happening in Sarasota County, um, but I do still have uh, a permit in, in uh, Palm Beach County. But most of the stuff is happening in Sarasota. And what species do we have in the Gulf Coast? Uh, we mostly have loggerheads. Um, loggerheads are... The Sarasota region is the largest Gulf, largest rookery in the Gulf of Mexico for loggerheads, um, and that's really cool. So it's a really great location for us to study them. Um, but our green population is also rapidly increasing um, from near extinction levels, which is which is really cool. 
And uh, Annie was talking earlier about Japan, and I'm going to Japan in May, and I'm specifically going to Yakushima, and they promote it as like a world-famous sea turtle island where the endangered loggerhead and green sea turtles lay their eggs, which is what you just mentioned. And I want to know, have you ever heard of this island, or are they just advertising to me the... Tourist. (laughs) I looked it up. I looked it up. So, because I had not heard about it, but that's not because that's not because it's not a a known location. It's just that I I have only been to Japan once, (laughs) Um, and um, uh, Japan is a a really uh, good hotspot for for sea turtles in general. Um, That's where a lot of um, uh, our civic research has has come out of, Um, and it's it's I. Don't know if you will see a sea turtle in the wild unless you like go on like a eco tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eco tours sound great. So um, when I went to Thailand many years ago, and then according to the tourism group in Japan, they said that definitely in Thailand, every third grader gets to go to this one island in Thailand. And they get to like hold a baby sea turtle and release it. And they said because the kids are like connected to the sea turtles, they're more invested in the conservation. And then, as they you know, as they (laughs) as they progress through the school years, they're like, hey, remember in third grade we did this field trip, we saw the sea turtles, and we made the connection, or we learned about like the interdependence about how our plastic straws relate to this. And so, do you? Do you know anything about like the education for Florida in regarding to sea turtles? Do people underappreciate them? Do people love them? Are we doing good we things? It, how can we get it to the kids? That's, that yeah. sounds like a great so, idea. So Jake, you got any ideas about? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack for you because how I got into sea turtles was that I went to summer camps when I was a kid and they did something similar with Diamondback Terrapins in New Jersey. Uh-huh. So uh, 100%, if you if you get kids interested early, they, they will uh, continue on to be They could continue researchers. on to, to be a professor. That's right. Uh, sure. That's fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that that uh, that program was called the Wetlands Institute in in New Jersey, and they uh, they had all these great summer camps that that threw you into the ecosystem, and it was a really really good way of of uh, of learning how to do um, different things about biology. I know that Moat, um, where I work, uh, does uh, similar types of camps uh, in the summer for for throwing kids into into biology. Um, sea turtles in in Florida are are protected, and so there are a lot less of of handing a kid a turtle, um, but but we 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 do um, night walks on some beaches to to go and find nesting turtles, mostly on the east coast of Florida. Um, and then there's also uh, uh, hatchling releases that that happen a lot, um, where where you can they're permitted by the state, and um, they give an educational spiel, and then you go out and, and release the hatchlings. Very cool. So we're going to talk a bit about seeing the babies hatch on the beaches and what we can do to help them in a minute. But first, I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today, we are talking with Dr. Jake LaSala about sea turtles. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. And we will read it on air. So we're interested if our listeners have seen sea turtles, if they've contributed to their conservation. Mm -hmm. And we do have a message from David. And he says, 
the show on sea turtles is great today. I was curious, are there any countries, cultures where sea turtles are hunted for meat or other purposes? I was thinking about how Japan continues to do whaling, even though it's been largely banned in most parts of the world. So is hunting a reason why sea turtles are not doing so great right now, or is there other aspects? There are there are natural predators that that will hunt out sea turtles, um, but there are many many threats from humans for for sea turtles. Um, in some countries, uh, sea turtle eggs are um, sustenance, so so people eat them for for food. And in other areas, they're considered aphrodisiacs, and so uh, they're poached for other purposes. Um, we in Florida uh, have occasional poaching incidents, um, but FWC, the Florida Fish and Wildlife uh, Conservation Commission, does a, a, a good job of um, finding those out and then um, and then arresting the people that do it. Um, there aren't as many poaching incidents on the west coast of Florida and the Gulf of Mexico as there are on the east coast, um, but there are certainly uh, groups of people that, that eat them. Um, in some countries, they have so many turtles, um, like in Costa Rica, where, where they have, might not be Costa Rica, it might be Mexico, but th there's there's a beach somewhere that, um, that the local uh, government allows people to take a certain number of eggs because they have so many that uh, turtles will dig on top of other nests. And, and so the, the local government decided that, that it was better for you to uh, take some at the beginning of the summer than to sort of ignore poaching um, but most of most locations that that poach it's it's illegal that's interesting to me because i would think that they would want the whole turtle the larger turtle uh rather than the eggs that doesn't seem it seems like uh you're missing out you know if you're going to be eating something you'd want to get more of it so in the 1800s, uh, green turtles were were overfished um, for what you're talking about, and mm -hmm. and so their population rapidly declined. Um, hawksbills are used to be um, hunted for for their shells because they have that um, that mottled shell, the turtle shell. Um, oh yes, I can't remember the. They name used of it. to make the uh, the combs mm -hmm. and such with that. Yes, but that that is. Uh, Hawksbills are, are are critically endangered and so are, are endangered, and so the that has been cracked down a lot. Uh, so, oh, <laughs> we both had questions. <laughs> so I wanted to just make a point. You know, you said it was the aphrodisiacs that they're taking those for, and it seems mm -hmm. like that that this everything that is like yeah. endangered is Rhino. always some yeah, it's always some aphrodisiac or some virile kind of a something something, and it you know obviously it's not true. I mean, to us, we believe it's not true. I I think so, pretty much. But, you know, rhino horn's not going to be the, the end-all, be-all for somebody. I don't think so. All right. Sorry, Annie. No, that's okay. I just, <laughs> I just can't believe that that's still happening. I agree now. with you, Annie. I would imagine over decades of time, people would say, you know what? I took it, and it didn't work. Yeah. And then eventually people would like keep, get keep agreeing. instead. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, Jake, we're, we're going to take a quick break because on the line we have Laura, and she's going to talk about an exciting event that's happening. Oh, very good. Hi, Laura. Good. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Annie. Hey, Laura. Thank you for your patience. Please share your She's class. She's calling from John Butts's place, aren't you? I am. I'm out here for my first sugar cane processing event. The so boil. Cool. That's fantastic. Yes. yes, it's very, very cool to see. Um, but thank you for giving me this opportunity to just mention that 
I'm going to be out at Sweetwater Farm this coming Sunday, the 19th, from 1 to 3 p.m., teaching a class on permaculture and prosperity. So many of us that are drawn to permaculture, we come through that garden gate in our landscapes, and that's awesome. But all those rich, valuable tools of permaculture can be applied to the ways we steward and build true wealth. And, Kenny, at the beginning of the show, you talk about that triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit. And I really want to help more people look towards the back of Mollison's Permaculture Designer's Manual to Chapter 14, where he's talking about procreative and generative assets and this this whole different way of thinking about wealth that we can build as individuals, as communities, and, uh, you know, as, as ecosystems. And so I'm very share that with people at Sweetwater on Sunday. And so it's going to be uh, at Sweetwater Community Farm this Sunday. And what time and how do, do they register in advance or how does that work? Yes, thank you. So it's from 1 to 3 p.m. And um, there, this website for Sweetwater, I don't remember it, but you can Google search Sweetwater Organic Farm in Tampa and there's an events page and you'll see the Permaculture and Prosperity class it is suggested that you register in advance, but uh, if you don't get a chance, you can just come out to the farm. There's a market day anyways and see if there's a spot available. All yeah. right. Very good. Thank, Thank you so you much, so Laura. Thank you so much. Give uh, John a big squeeze for us. All right. We will. Thank, Thank you. you Thank for you. for taking on the show and doing such a good job with it. Oh, appreciate you. All right. So, uh, Dr. Jake, we have a... We definitely have at least one message, and this one I just love because I shared with um, some Republican friends uh, this image, and they they weren't aware of it until I showed them the comparison. So, Bubba writes, to think like a male turtle, you have to go speak to the king of turtles, Mitch McConnell. (laughs) So, Jake... Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. He does look a lot like Mr. Turtle. Yeah. So, Jake, uh, let's go back to your actual (laughs) area of expertise. I've learned through documentaries that when the female sea turtle lays her egg, she kind of goes in a trance. Can you tell us how do you get the DNA from the mother sea turtle without disturbing her Her trance? trance, Unless you're doing it at a different time. Um, so we are permitted by the state to collect uh, genetic samples from the turtle uh, while she's uh, three quarters of the way done her nest. Um, we we monitor her her activity and we um, we take either a skin sample or a, or a blood sample from her um, and uh, and we make sure that that she's in that she continues the behavior that she's doing. And uh, and then we make sure that she finishes all the stuff that she's going to do and, and we leave. So that kind of um, helps you if she's in a trance to be able to do yes, that, right? It, it really does. Oh, um, okay. the, she, the, <laughs> we are permitted to, to do these activities. And so, so it's, it's, I wouldn't say that, that uh, random Joe public should, should go and interact oh, God, with turtles, no. but but um, but it does give us a, a window of opportunity to to interact with her where we're not causing her undue harm. Right you now, when I go to this island, Yakushima, mm-hmm. yeah. they said that if you go on a guided night watch to see the female turtles lay eggs, you're not allowed mm-hmm. to bring a camera, you're not allowed to bring your so, phone, and there's oh. no lights, and you only can use the moon. Now okay. in um, 
because they don't want to disturb the females because it's such a the flash. Well, the flash, but for sure because Japan is so like honored by this island, they oh, don't want to. That's so sweet. You know, they're putting the sea turtles first and the tourists second. Very good. So that's our good. question is here in Florida. Um, so, you know, many of our listeners live near beaches, and they'll see that there's light orange or amber lights, or they'll see signs about activity at, at night. So, can you tell us how sensitive are the female turtles? Like, if they're approaching the beach and they see a four wheeler or they see lights, do they pull lights? Is what I yeah? Do they get right. scared? So, yeah. so the. Um, the nesting, the sea turtle nesting season um, in Florida starts in uh, March, really, um, and goes all the way through into October. Wow, um, and, the whole and, summer. Yeah, it depends on where you are. So, so in say uh, Juno Beach and Boca Raton, it, it starts even in February. Um, but in in the Gulf Coast of Mexico, it uh, in, in the Gulf Coast of Florida, it's more April, end of April, beginning of May. Um, but but the the cities and and, and uh, municipalities have specific lighting laws um, for houses and property that are near the beach. Um, the, also, in off season, you can have white lights that shine on the beach. But in the nesting season, you're only supposed to have turtle friendly lights, which are amber or orange or in a certain wavelength of color. Um, and those lights are uh, are are great because sea turtles can't really see those colors. Um, they can see blue and green and white, um, but they can't really see uh, very well red, orange, and, and, and amber. Um, and so uh, so those lights are, are for two purposes. The, the first is that you want to encourage a dark beach so females will come up to nest. And then uh, equally important, maybe even more important, when the hatchlings come up, um, the hatchlings sea find by by seeing uh, bright bright reflectance off of the ocean, and so if there are bright lights that are behind the dune, sea turtles will disorient and they'll go towards those lights, um, and and that can a uh, have them lose energy and so they can't make it to the ocean or um, or they'll go to places that they won't like pools for example. So I. Um, uh, th- that's interesting what you just said that they uh, they go there and then they have no energy. What, uh, what is that thing that they are they're fast going uh, to uh, to the ocean they, they get away from the shore. What's that about? It's called a frenzy period and uh, and for the first three days of their life they they fast and they use the energy that's uh, that's from their residual yolk sac and then they won't eat. They'll just swim and swim and swim until they're out into the into the water, and then they'll start eating. And I, according to documentaries that I've watched as a child, yeah. they said that if, there's a very high percentage of mortality for these little baby hatchlings. But then I was also reading that on the Japanese island, but probably in Florida, that people are not encouraged to help the sea turtles oh. no. to the yes. be- to the ocean. Yep. Oh, so, so so why is that? <sighs> That hurts me. Because <laughs> I, I thought that, that when they do uh, get lost and they're going in the wrong place and they, they call up moat, y'all come get them. And then uh, they can't go back into the wild because they won't have that short, you know, that burst of three-day energy. So, Jake, why should Annie not be stuffing her shirt with baby sea turtles <laughs> and 
running to <laughs> well, the ocean. It is against the law. Oh, well, <laughs> so that's that. that's number one. <laughs> minor. That's minor. <laughs> minor, minor details. Um, when I'll 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 start from the moat side. Um, when we when we get hatchlings, um, we uh, check to see how they're doing and and uh, and we make sure that they can swim well. And then um, if it's within those three day period uh, of of when they when they hatched. We'll release them on the beach that, th that they were collected from at night. Um, if it's after those that three day period, um, we'll we'll put them on a boat and we'll we'll take them out so that they don't have to uh, expend that energy. Okay. Um, so there are a couple of reasons why you shouldn't touch sea turtles. Um, the the first and foremost is is that uh, any interaction that you have with any animal um, that's natural uh, is going to in, is going to have an effect on their behavior. Um, and so we want to be as, as low contact as possible because we want them to, to behave normally. Um, there are other reasons though, because we put stuff on our skin for like, if you're out at night, you put on bug spray, or if, or if you're out there during the day, you put on sunscreen. And those chemicals, we don't really know the impact on, on those turtles and we don't want to uh, have them get chemicals on them that, that aren't natural. Um, and and then the other reason is that if you if you ban it across the board, yeah. then um, then you're not at risk of, of of random people just thinking that it's okay. True. And do you know what percentage of sea turtles that hatch survive to maybe be old enough to mate? Thirty years. Thirty years. I gotta be. So there there was a st the well I, the number that is generally accepted is one. Of every thousand to fifteen hundred makes it to adulthood. Wow! Um, but adulthood is is thirty five for for a loggerhead. Um, and so, if you can think about how many times you might not have made it <laughs> before you <laughs> turn thirty five, it puts things into perspective a little bit. <laughs> um, the however, there there have been studies that that have been done um, that that look at how uh, even on the beach there's there's risk. So something like seven to eight percent of of hatchlings don't make it to the water because there there are natural predators. Um, there there are just many many things that eat sea turtles uh, naturally, and and that's 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 the problem. So uh, I need to reintroduce us uh, so people can call in. I'm Annie Ellis, and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today we're talking with Dr. Jake LaSala about sea turtles. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663, text us at 813-433-0885, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on the air. I wanted to roll back right down to natural predators. You were talking about that right before I, I interrupted you with that. And I wanted to know what are the natural predators uh, that are eating the babies or the large turtles what is that everything <laughs> uh sea, sea turtles sea turtles are uh, when, they're, when they're hatchlings they're they're bite size for for a lot of predators snacks um yeah so so in um in sarasota we have uh armadillos that will dig up the eggs um and we have raccoons that will also dig up the nests and eat hatchlings um we have ghost crabs that, that will uh take out eggs um Crows will 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 do that if they can uh, if the eggs are out from a predation event, and then we also have um, not so not as frequently, but we do have coyotes um, that will uh, take 
uh, take eggs and, and dig dig under dig into the nests. Um, and in some areas of Florida, we have uh, feral hogs that'll also do that. Um, and then out in the ocean, um, anything that is is big enough to to swallow a turtle will. Um, there there have been a couple of studies that have looked at. Um, Basically, like you open up a fish after having catched it, in, and and it's just filled with turtles because it just went through them. Wow! Um, what time of day did the sea turtles hatch? Any time, or is it always at night? Generally, they they uh, hatch at night or they they emerge at night. Um, the cue for them to typically emerge is is l- lower temperature, and so um, it's most often at night. But it's not. It's not like a specific time. That's so amazing to me that nature tells them when to come out because if they came out when it's too hot, it may be too far and they would burn up. Um, mm-hmm. we, do, I, we do have a, another email. I and want to ask about a nature question. This person wants to ask about a nature question Well, too. it might be the same. Let's <laughs> wait and see. So okay. they said, I was curious if there's any place in Florida where you can see sea turtles gather, kind of like manatees who are chilling around the Tico power plant in Apollo Beach during the winter months. Not necessarily related to nesting, but can you... Is there a place to see adult sea turtles, or are they solitary, Jake? Uh, yeah. What's a group of sea turtles called? Uh, like that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's great. <laughs> like a fl- like a group of flamingos is a flamboyance, right? So I yes. I, I don't a, know a what a group of, of crows. Yes, right. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, but is there a place to find <laughs> many turtles at once? Gen- That'd be great. Generally speaking, uh, turtles don't group together. Okay. So, like there, there are there are some places that you can go that are that are like, if if you went scuba diving on on a reef, you would eventually find a turtle probably um, on 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 like a productive productive reef. Um, there are, there are some areas um, that people talk about how hawksbills will just be there because that's just where they live, and every single time we come back, there's that hawksbill. Um, but uh, I. From what I have gathered, is that that if if you are going to go and, and find them, then, then you have to be respectful and and, and not uh, not interact with them. But it's it's very much a, a, a shoot or miss um, kind of area. So they're not um, a social animal, then. They're according not- to Monterey Bay Aquarium, which has a good reputation, yes, they, they said you can call a group of sea turtles a flotilla. Yeah, which is a group of warships, or you can call them a bale. Oh, and that's great. This is when you see three to 13 sea turtles. It's a bale, like a bale <laughs> of hay. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, oh, that's I want to ask you, I'm really glad that we're talking about the social aspect, because I wondered about that, too, because, you know, we never, we always see those, uh, the, the manatees uh, are, uh, you know, in groups, we see uh, mm-hmm. the manta rays in groups, we see everything, lots of groups, but we never see the turtles like that, so they're they're loners, that's interesting. So, you know, we were talking about earlier about that they go back to their place to lay their eggs, uh, so what is that mental GPS thing that they have? What's that? What's up with that? So uh, I, I will say that that when they when they mate, they'll come together as a group. So so they come back to the their mating area, and and then uh, there are a lot of anecdotal information, uh, eyewitness accounts of groups of turtles just like all all over the place mating. Um, and in uh, Costa Rica, there's there's something called a 
an Ayurveda where groups of females will come up all, all at once. Um, but outside of mating and nesting, it's, it's, it's much more solitary. Um, but to answer your actual question, <laughs> um, so the the females will return to their natal region to nest, and so wherever they hatched from, they'll come back. Um, there's a lot of study. There's a lot of research that's come out of um, North Carolina that's talked about how sea turtles use magnetoreception, so they can uh, identify the the field of the, the magnetic field and identify where they're supposed to go from that information. Um, there was a there was a uh, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Kenny Rogers, who um, who he identified that 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 the lines of of latitude, depending on where they were, how close the lines of latitude were, would uh, you could predict how big of the nesting area uh, the nesting population would be. So, like when lines are closer together, you get a bigger nesting population, and when they're spread out, you get a you get a, a spread out population. Very interesting. So uh, that brings me to this, you know, when they are in that mating frenzy, I suppose it's pretty much it's like not that. Kenny Rogers, it's Roger Brothers. I'm sorry, I totally butchered that. That's okay. Continue. Kenny Rogers, you're gonna know when to fold them. Oh, uh, you got it so, wrong. <laughs> so, uh, so when there when there's all the males and the females and all this sort of rigmarole going on, is uh, is there like? You know, some we, sort we are of a, talking about Valentine's Day. Well, that's true. <laughs> Romantic. Do they bring him a little Valentine? No. Is there some competition? Like you know, there in the wild, all animals usually are competing for the female, and they're watching to see who's the strongest, who does whatever they're looking for. You know, makes the prettiest nest, whatever it is. Is there something that the male turtles do uh, with each other uh, to combat to get uh, the female? You know, to be the one. Um, so when you see females come uh, to nest, they'll frequently have gouges on their back from from where males have have basically scratched them while while the, while they were mating, um, and and the males will uh, be more aggressive to, to each other. Um, they they nip at each other. They they go at each other with their um, with their flippers, um, and and that's part of the the interesting part about about the paternity project is that we. We don't know how successful males are. So, so even though we know that females mate with multiple ma males, how many males do, are not successful because they they were out competed or because uh, their their sperm quant quantity or quality was was uh, poor? We don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting to me. We just got a text message. It says Torgy, a turtle orgy. <laughs> Is that real? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new word that we're bringing. Uh, I, I, I don't think I can use that in a, in a, in a presentation for yeah, your no, no, summer so camp. Having <laughs> a turgy, Jake. When it's sad, but it's it's nature. So one out of a thousand or fifteen hundred little baby turtles survive mm -hmm. to adulthood or to age thirty-five, and then they're going to go back to their their place of hatching. Are they going within? 10 feet of where they hatch or like a thousand feet of where they hatch or just on the same it's, beach? It, it varies. Um, there are some turtles that are very site specific. Hawksbills in particular will, will go right back to, to where they nested the last time. Um, greens in, it seems to be variable. Some, sometimes they're like, they're It's going to go back to the beach. Sometimes it's, they're going to go back to the County. Loggerheads are all over the place. Loggerheads, um, uh, they, we see turtles 
again and again and again on Casey Key. Um, so, so we know that they probably hashed from that area, but we don't have the we we can't define it unless we you know do the genetics on it. So, if they're going back to the same beach, if it's a lot of the ones that went that made it, and it's the mm-hmm. same hatchling eggs, are they like competing for the same little spit of land there? Yeah, I, a, a little bit. Um, so, so they're the nesting season lasts for for a number of months, and so. It, there is enough beach space that that often uh, nests are are laid separate enough, but but turtles do dig up other turtle nests. Yeah, I was wondering and, and, about that. Um, it's they they don't their their not their attention span is uh, is not what I would say uh, is attentive to their surroundings below them. So so if they start digging and and. Uh, and they find a spot that they like, then then they'll just keep going until they're until they're done. They're in the that uh, that phase of haze in their mind. Evolutionarily, why would it be beneficial for them to go into a trance when they're mm. laying eggs? Mm, that's a really good question. Maybe it's the pain, uh, you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, maybe, but but I I think it's probably more just they're big, and there there aren't a whole lot of uh, predators that are that are going to go after a, a, an adult female on the beach. Um, uh, so I don't know if there's necessarily an evolutionary reason why they go into a trance, but but certainly they've been around for a really long time, and, and the trance hasn't hasn't caused them to. Mm-hmm. to <laughs> well, I mean, in most births of uh, of all other animals, you know, it's a painful uh, thing. So I would think that that might be why. Well, I'm thinking like out. <laughs> a deer, when they see like headlights, they go into like a trance and they freeze because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, the predator won't get me. If I freeze. But yeah. now it's a car. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's smart, Kenny. I never thought the, of it that way. The turtles definitely know that we're there. I mean, like it's, it's, they, they can, they can see us. They, they can uh, hear if you're uh, too close. Um, but the, the trance, the process of, of, Laying and then covering is um, they they will continue to, to do it um, if and and we and we try and uh, not in, impede them in any way. All right, Jake. We got another email. It says, "Great show about sea turtles today. Thank you." Here on Anna Maria Island, it would be our first year without our turtle watch director, Susie Fox. Mm. She passed unexpectedly last year in September. She did so mm. much, along with about forty volunteers, for the successful nesting and hatching of thousands of sea turtles on our little island. She will be missed. I dedicate your show and the successful life of all sea turtles to her memory. Here is her obituary. Thanks for the great info that comes out of your show, Robin Z from Anna Maria Island. So, Jake, how can people become citizen scientists? How can people help sea turtles? And how can we not hurt sea turtles? Well, that's a very large question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, maybe how, so- <laughs> how can we volunteer? How can we... Yeah, what Get can involved. we do? What can we do as private citizens to be involved in this any project that's positive for the turtles? So different organizations have different uh, volunteer groups that um, that that you can volunteer with. Um, I know that Anna Maria has has that that organization that uh, that 
that people in the region um, help with. The Longbow Key Turtle Watch um, is uh, is also has takes volunteers, and and we at Moat take uh, volunteers. We have the largest volunteer core of sea turtle uh, volunteers in in the state, um, and uh, we couldn't do the work uh, on the beaches without them. Um, Hundred percent. So, so I, I highly encourage you to to look in, in your area and see if if there are um, uh, groups that that take on volunteers. I uh, I think Clearwater also takes on volunteers, and uh, and I don't know all of the all of the different organizations by beach. I'm not sure yet. There's so, a, but I, there's a, um, a. I was looking online to study up about you beforehand, and on the moat, uh, you know, they have a lot of uh, little videos uh, about all different types of odds and ends. And I'm going to link uh, on the webpage uh, at the end, uh, you know, after after we have the show, uh, uh, the link about the turtles, and uh, so they can look into that. So, so they're going to be more involved. Yes, it's yep. a really good little video. Very instructional. It's- that's helpful. Um, yeah. I know that that Moat uh, in general takes on volunteers for for other things too. So I mean, like if you, if you're interested in in the aquarium side, or or if you're interested in um, sharks or um, or crabs or different yeah, crabs, yeah. oh coral mm-hmm. too. There coral. was something about the acid rain with the coral, but I found to be fascinating that the response ocean acidification. Is, yes, ocean acidification. That the uh, the crabs or responses are altered from the uh, the way the acid is. Uh, affecting them and so they're doing studies on that because their reactions are different yes the so as as temperature increases the amount of uh, uh, carbonic acid in, increases in, in the ocean and uh, and that can influence uh, how corals grow because it can um, uh, have a detrimental effect on on, on the calcium yep well, I wanted to ask you, since this brought it up for me from that that uh, when they're injured by you know when they're ill and the turtles float up a lot. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times they get injured by the boat propellers. I wanted to know, mm-hmm. can they regrow that shell? Mm, generally, no. Oh. Um, there, there is some recovery. Uh, so, so the, the wound itself will, will close up and, and, the um, but, but you, you can see old propeller strikes on, on turtles that, that come in. Um, there are there's some research into uh, well there's there's some turtle hospitals that are using honeycomb as a as a matrix to to help the shell uh, the regrow on it. Um, yeah, so so you can you can donate um, oh, uh, honey of- honey honeycomb to to different organizations. Oh, that's and, and fantastic. We know lots of bee people. Mm-hmm. That's, really cool. I'll, I'll let them know. That's wonderful. And honey is a honey is a natural antiseptic, and so so the whole the the matrix is really great. But then also the, the honey, honey actually helps the fantastic. The Thank you. All right, very good. So Jake, we have one we have one caller, and we have about six emails that I'm going to read to you very quickly. But first, we're going to take uh, Jimmy and St. Pete. And Jimmy, I think he wants to talk about the types of predators for sea turtles. Hi, Jimmy. Hello. Um, well, I just wanted to know if, if the sea turtles were shallow water predators or deep water predators, and um, does the uh, red tide affect the sea turtles? Great question, Jimmy. We're going to take you off air, and uh, go ahead, Jake. So sea turtles generally, uh, depending on their species, will will eat different things. So so loggerheads are, are uh, 
they they eat everything, and, and so it's much more like crabs and, and shellfish. Um, whereas green sea turtles eat uh, seagrass and algae, and so they're much more down on the bottom. Um, but uh, their predators vary. Because I'm not sure which question you're asking. Are they affected um, by the red tide? And they are affected by red tide. So so red tide. Um, the it's all about the the quantity of of red tide that that gets taken in, and so. Um, the, if it's uh, if the turtle is moving through the area, then they might just be low low affected. But if they are sitting in the area that red tide is effect is being affected by, um, it can get them sick, yeah. and then they get lethargic, and then sometimes they'll get hit by a boat. But you can also uh, red tide can also impact them to to uh, to mortality events uh, in in other ways too. Thank you, Jake. Um- what sea turtles eat jellyfish? Because we've all seen the videos of them eating real jellyfish and also plastic bags. Sad. Generally, leatherbacks will eat jellyfish, but I've seen other species eat jellyfish as well. Um, leatherbacks are are critically endangered, um, and uh, and they are at at huge risk of um, of eating things that they're not supposed to. Um, we also have huge issues with plastic consumption across all species, um, and uh, almost every turtle that comes into the hospital now, or any turtle hospital, uh, has sea turtle uh, has. As plastic in their in mm. their uh, in their mm-hmm. guts. So don't buy anything plastic. Don't <laughs> use anything plastic. Use reusable products. I know a company, however, that they just gifted all of their employees, like two hundred employees, a reusable lunch box Great. and a reusable uh, a thermos, metal thermos. Great. Every single one was individually wrapped in a piece of plastic. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've noticed uh, that with course. toilet paper, it's like the same thing. I call the toilet paper people to talk to them about their company process yeah. on that. Well, people like to store right. them. I'm like, so, oh, Jake, I have six emails that I'm going to speed I read to you. <laughs> because, speed, we ha- speed because, read. because we have six minutes. All right. This is from Peter. Now, of course, we're, we're, we have a fun show, a lighthearted show. So now we're getting some uh, funny Comments. comments. Peter says, I manage many condo buildings on the Gulf uh, beaches here, and rest assured all new windows and lighting is mainly centered around turtles existing for very a very good. long time, but there's always a pollution problem. And then he goes on to say, I walked into my local bookstore last week and queried if they had any books about my favorite animals, which are turtles. The bookshop lady asked hardback. I replied, <laughs> yes, with small heads. All right. Now we have somebody else's email. They said, good morning, great show on sea turtles. Is there much that can be about overnight permitting at places like beach parks? For example, during the summer, what is the stopping of overnight passer holders from interfering with nestings or being loud or using lights? So, Flashlights and so yeah. on, yeah. Is the, are there lights. rangers that are monitoring that? If you're it still- depends on the beach. Um, some some beaches are are public beaches, and so so there isn't any restrictions. Um, and then some some beaches there there, uh, there are authority figures that that deter you from going out on the beach. Um, lights are a big issue. Uh, if you are going to go out out on the beach, um, don't use white light. If you can use red light, uh, regardless of what you're doing, that's better. All right, we have a message from Bubba. He says, Moat has done a lot of working with New College. I'm saddened by DeSantis's conservative takeover. Very there. much so. And then somebody else says, I'm texting from St. Pete, and I've worked on sea turtles nest surveys with the Florida, Florida Wildlife Commission and the state parks for a long time. And I think that's it for the 
questions and emails for now because we only got three minutes left. So, Annie, um, I know, Jake, in a minute we're going to ask you how people can get in contact with you, but, Annie, do you have any follow-ups or anything? Well, not really. I mean, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, just thank you so much for being on here and you brought it up. Uh, so many valuable things that we need to know. You know, when you were talking about uh, not having people come on to the beaches and if there's monitoring, you know, there's always signs, but a lot of people, there's always a sign This is don't take your dog off a leash and, mm-hmm. you know, at the dog park and nobody's paying attention. So if just we can tell each other these things and uh, hopefully support it that way. That would be great. So, Jake, you're interested in the paternity of uh, sea turtles. And do you have a number or have you estimated, because the males can service more than one female, do you want 30% of the population to be males? Do you think it needs to be 50%? Do you know what percentage you are looking for? We don't know what the percentage is now, so we don't know if there's no bottom. If there is a target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we we know that the Earth is warming, and so um, in thirty or sixty years, the the landscape of males to females will be much different than it is now. But we don't know what it is now, so that's mm-hmm. we, we we need we need to know what it is now. Yeah, that's a very well. Good thank point. you for thinking about that question and yeah. researching it then. Yeah, because, you know, really I was wondering if it gets to that point is where you may have to take some of the uh, baby eggs, you know, before they hatch and uh, make it in a, a cooler environment. Well, yeah, Jake, can you say how long is the gestation period of the eggs and do you know at what stage the temperature affects the sex of the Great babies? Great question. Um, eggs incubate before 45 to 60 days, depending on the species. And uh, the middle third is, is of incubation is generally thought to be the time frame that, that uh, sex is determined. Um, but there's like a three-day window in that middle third. And that those three-day window can occur in vari- variable times. Do you know, have you talked to um, crocodilian people or other animals that are also yep. sex determinate? And Crocs uh, and alligators are reversed, though, so it's it's oh. hot dudes and cool <laughs> chicks. That's interesting. I had to think and, about it. <laughs> and are they looking into the climate change aspect of the eggs as well? They are, um, but the because crocodilians are are, are reversed, um, the the concern of of, um, of population decline is, is is a lot lower because um, they're they're not to the point that that there aren't going to be females. Um, and so so there are um, other concerns for, for Crocs. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Jake. We, we encourage our listeners to go to the Moat Aquarium's website to learn more. And you can go to WMNF.org uh, and see the write-up about today's show. So thank you very much, Jake. Thank you. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed this show today, our weekly content, don't forget to go to our fundraiser for our fundraisers coming up in two weeks. You can start us off by going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you'll hear WMNF Tampa Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, the source, and listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living, WMNF, to stay in the loop. And to listen to our past shows, just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF. I'm Kenny Coogan. And I'm Annie Ellis. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.